Hi guys, Julie Verhage Greenberg here with the Tux Time podcast brought to you by Fintech Today. Today I'm joined by my co-founder, Ian Carr. Ian, we've been practicing this for a few weeks now, but it's our first real episode. How are you feeling? You ready? I'm hyped. I'm pretty excited. This should be a lot of fun. <laughs> um, yeah, thanks for having me, Julie. Of course. We obviously had to have you for the first episode. For those just tuning in, Ian will be joining me every Monday, and Koki Haziotis of Lasagna Technology will be joining me later on in the week. So you guys can c- catch us twice a week. Um, Ian, why don't you start by just giving us a little bit of a lowdown of FinTech Today since I joined you um, a few months after you started it so people can know what we're all about. Yeah, so we actually started uh, May 2019, and it's funny because it just started initially as a side project. I was doing product consulting for a couple of companies. Uh, I was just trying to figure out a way to do to find more uh, clients. And at the time, I wanted to kind of figure out a way to marry the two things that I've been doing in my career so far, which was uh, I spent a couple of years as a journalist, as you know, Julie, and a couple other folks uh, at Quartz and a couple other places, uh, mainly covering fintech. And that's how I kind of got into the industry uh, and then uh, I jumped into uh, product management, worked at a company called Acorns out in Newport Beach, uh, was the head of product at a wine e-commerce company. So, you know, I kind of really spent my time trying to focus on learning about how decisions were made and how products were developed internally and thought, you know, it was really interesting to kind of figure out a way to kind of communicate that. Not only could I figure out, not only did I realize like it was a way to kind of, you know, demonstrate that I know what I'm talking about, right? But also, uh, which it was, you know, good for kind of getting consultants. But also, you know, it was a lot of fun for me at the time, too. Like, I love writing. So and I always have since I was in high school. So it was, uh, it was uh, a lot of fun for me. And then, you know, it quickly took off. I think we started a Slack group around uh, August of, uh, of that year too, 20, 2019. And initially, it was very selfishly, it was, a, uh, it was a way for me to kind of talk to my friends about, uh, you know, what was going on in the fintech space. I think the uh, one of the really fun side, side effects of the newsletter was that a lot of people started emailing me and a lot of people started texting me about my thoughts. And I started getting, uh, you know, just talking to a lot of folks about different ideas and things like that. Uh, and the complicated part was that it was, I was like texting like 15 different people at the same time and, or like had four different group <laughs> chats. So I was like, all right, this is really annoying. I'm just going to put everyone in the Slack. Everyone has Slack in general. Uh, and yeah. then, you know, that was the, that was the beginnings of the FTD Slack, which, you know, Julie, as you know, is around 200 people now, uh, off the mm-hmm. record and really private, but a really, uh, collaborative and a really useful place for, uh, operators to kind of get together and share uh, ideas and uh, uh, ideas and uh, information too. Yeah. And it's crazy to see how much that has expanded from you and a group of like 15 friends into this big thing, as well as the newsletter that you started just writing roughly once or twice a week as things came out, keeping people up to date on what was going on in fintech. And now we write every single day of the week, some of it free content, just summarizing the news and what's happening. And then other things where we have experts come in and do deep dives for us. Like we just released a big report on buy now, pay later, this new paying version phenomenon that everyone's talking about, um, working on other reports. We have people in other countries writing for us. So we keep on top of not only what's going on in the US, but what's going on in Europe, what's going on in Latin America. Uh, We're looking for someone in Asia in case anyone listening to this wants to join and start writing for there. But we also just picked such a good time to do this because 2020, for how terrible it was, 
It was a phenomenal year for 90% of fintech. It was a huge year for a lot of the fintech companies. And I think it really showed that the potential that technology has on impacting financial services. And, you know, Mm -hmm. as things move towards more of a remote world, I think it's becoming clear. Like, I I think one thing that it really illuminated for me was just how antiquated these bank systems are. Like, once they move to remote work, like, no one can really figure out how to do their job. Like, a lot of people, Mm -hmm. a lot of my friends from college and stuff like that have you know, that I've been catching up with are just like, it's really annoying to just sit here and like, you know, sit in front of a computer all day. And like, you know, none of the systems are really designed for that. None of their jobs are either. Yeah. So I think it's really developed a really interesting opportunity for fintech companies. And not only for people working, but for people just using it, like anyone that was hesitant to use a bank's mobile app probably had to use it. No one wants to use cash anymore. Cause God forbid the person that touched it before you had Corona. Like all these things, it just pushed you. And once you get used to it, if it would have only been a couple of weeks that we would have had this, like things probably wouldn't have stuck. But it's been a year now. And like, that's plenty of time for something to become a habit. So just given how good the year has been, I mean, that's been a big reason why we've expanded the content, a big reason why we've had more people join our community And a big reason on why we wanted to start this show where it's not necessarily just covering the day-to-day news, but taking whatever the news is and sort of diving in deeper and sort of understanding the process behind it, thoughts of what's going on, bringing in experts every now and again to talk about something interesting that's happening and really just get a good grip at everything that's going on, just given that this is meant for people that not only work in fintech, but are just interested and fascinated by what's going on. And yeah, just trying to learn more about the space. I think there's such a gap. There's such a, there's such a, uh, it's so hard to learn about what's going on. When, when Julie, I'm sure when you first got into fintech, you suffered the same issues. Like, you know, I started learning about the industry in 2013 and I just had to like literally just read random articles on the internet. There was not really a centralized mm-hmm. place to go find information. I think that's really the overall problem that we're trying to solve, whether, you know, for, with the podcast, you know, someone who's new to the industry and then, uh, you know, with other products down the line, uh, as, as you get, as people get more, uh, you know, acclimated with the with the with the space and deeper uh, in their in their careers as well. We're trying to solve a lot of problems there too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of the companies in the space are still private. For as many of the big players like Shopify or PayPal or Lending Club and others that are public, and obviously someone that small isn't going to put like their business model online where you can see their revenue and like how they make money, how this business works, etc. Um, so diving in deeper to that, just based on the conversations that we have off the podcast, as well as on the podcast, I think it's just going to be super valuable for anyone tuning in. Yeah. So Julie, I, I mean, I gave a little bit of background on myself. Uh, what about, what about on you? I mean, uh, let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about, you know, your background in fintech, why you joined fintech today. And also like, what do you find interesting about, uh, like fintech in general? I think, uh, you know, mine comes from like a really academic perspective, but I'm really he- curious to hear about yours. Yeah. So I was at Bloomberg and I was covering just general markets. So writing about Tesla getting upgraded or European debt or anything like that. And I had some extra time just because the markets were a little boring for a while, unlike they are today. Uh, and so I just randomly fell into fintech just because there was this one story I worked on where it was the most popular uh, finance apps for millennials. And then a few of these companies like Betterment and others reached out to me, Betterment's a robo-advisor, like wanting to do interviews with me and sort of explain their business a a bit more. And we didn't have anyone covering FinTech for Bloomberg. And just as I kept meeting with these companies, I realized how big of a deal this was going to be. 
Um, so in 2018, the end of 2018, I moved over to the tech team from the markets team to be dedicated strictly to fintech. Uh, and it was full steam ahead from there. I mean, that year in particular is when Robinhood became a massive thing. They went from uh, like a billion dollar valuation to a $10 billion valuation. And Lord knows how high that valuation is today. Um, and all these other companies too. So I was really busy covering a bunch of these things. But as I was doing that, I also just wanted the opportunity to dive in a bit deeper on these topics where working at a consumer, strictly consumer facing company is a little bit trickier, especially when it's a B2B thing, because people aren't really going to click on those stories as often as they would with like a Venmo story. Um, so that's why I ended up leaving a full-time job the first week of March, 2020, when COVID was getting really crazy. And I think you might've actually been one of my last in-person meetings before a lockdown happened. I think it was like March 9th or 10th. Um, and so we talked, I was, I was like pacing around that, the entire week. I was like, pace, I was like, back at my parents' house, I was pacing around. My mom was like, what the hell is going on? I'm like stress walking upstairs because I'm like, mom, I just hired my first person. It's the first week of this pandemic. Did not anticipate this at all. I was like super stressed, but luckily, luckily it worked out. Luckily it worked out. I started out just writing once a week. So it wasn't a huge commitment for you, but it's definitely a much bigger commitment now as a co-founder. I had done some other things as I was writing for you. I wrote for some others and stuff too. But as it became clear that our business was really taking off and there was so much demand for what we were doing it just made sense to go full steam ahead on this. So no stopping now. Yeah, we have a lot, we have a lot of big plans ahead. So it's, a lot of, it's been a lot of fun to work, work, work with them on, uh, with Julie. And uh, yeah, I mean, in general, I mean, what do you find so interesting about fintech? Uh, super curious to hear about that too. Honest, I think it's part of my age group and demographic and that I'm a city dweller and I'm a millennial where I love doing everything on my phone. And it's just fascinated me that I never have to go into a bank branch anymore. I never have to carry a credit uh, card around anymore. It's in my phone, all these different things. And just the transformation of that and the thought that in five or 10 years, I might be able to go and get a mortgage for my first home in an Apple store or a Kroger or something. It's just like the craziest thing ever. Um, so just the pace of change and innovation that's going on, it just fascinates me. So speaking of that though, one company that has been doing a ton of innovation will give people a little glimpse of what a podcast will look like when it's not the introduction episode. Um, here's a story I'd like to cover with you. Shopify. I don't even know how much the stock is now up over the past year, but they've crushed it during the pandemic. Like it's insane. Um, for anyone that doesn't know, Shopify is essentially a way for small businesses to sell things online. And yesterday they um, launched a partnership with Facebook and Instagram. So anybody selling things on Facebook and Instagram can now use the Shopify checkout, which makes it super easy and seamless for you as a consumer to make that checkout, meaning it's much less likely that you abandon the cart because you don't want to get out of bed and go get your credit card or things like that. Ian, you, you know a lot of people at Shopify and we have people from Shopify in our community. What are your thoughts on this? I think it's sick. I mean, like there's, there's, uh, it's such a win-win for both Facebook and Shopify. I think on the, uh, let's take the Shopify start aside from the, uh, you know, let's talk about that first. Uh, mm -hmm. like I think from Shopify's perspective, distributing their payment method into other platforms and other ecosystems is 
exactly what they want, right? They they're yeah. enabling merchants on this on this ecosystem. They're it's and for Facebook, it actually solves a lot of problems. And it's probably a better win for Facebook, honestly. Like doing inventory management, yeah. doing order fulfillment, doing all this sort of nightmarish stuff that Shopify already does really well is really, really out of scope for Facebook that really, you know, has monetized really well through advertising and things like that, right? So they understand mm-hmm. the purchase funnel and like the commerce angle where, you know, Shopify can fo- focus on what, what they're good at, which is, uh, you know, helping merchants sell their product. Um, yeah. I think for Facebook's business and Instagram's business in and of itself, I think it's going to be really interesting. They could, there's huge potential to drive a ton of commerce on Instagram through this. I think um, Facebook's been really, I think the strategy, the product development strategy around Instagram and like the shopping uh, product has been really interesting. They've always had this real estate available. They, they actually don't have Apple Pay enabled uh through instagram Hmm. checkout uh they've kind of been wait it seems like they've been kind of waiting for the right partner to uh to not to kind of handle a lot of different things for them and i think that it seems like the uh shopify can not only handle the the frictionless you know payment side but also the nightmarish inventory side that like all merchants need to have and that facebook wouldn't want to do so it solves a lot of problems Uh, i'm really excited for this partnership i'm really curious to see where it goes i'm also curious to see if uh, they start layering on things like Shopify installments on top. That's something we've seen from a lot of um, players in the, the payment space is they like to start with one area of payments and then continuously add things on Stripe, PayPal, all those guys, um, you know, ring a bell when it comes to that. Yeah, it's interesting, though, like Facebook is adding sort of payment and fintech related features, but through Shopify, not a fintech player. Right. right. So like they're becoming so like. Is Shopify, everyone jokes about Shopify becoming, is a fintech company, but like now they're selling embedded, they're kind of enabling fintech products, right? They're enabling uh, embedded fintech. Like they actually might be more of a fintech company than I think people jokingly say, but it, it might be more serious than before. Yeah. Um, obviously, Shopify shareholders are very happy about it because I just looked at the uh, one year ago from today, it was at $500 a share. It is closing in on $1,500 a share now. That's insane. That's insane. Spoiler, I own $100 worth of Shopify, but I bought it when it was like 1200 So it's not up that much from where I bought it. <laughs> I was like, you know what? Shopify kind of seems like a big deal. I'll throw throw 75 bucks at it, and it's now worth $100. So I, I've made $25 on my app. My Shopify shares, <laughs> uh, but that that's essentially the type of thing that we'll be talking about on this podcast. It'll usually be two to three stories, just depending on the length and how deep we want to dive into it. Um, and then once in a while, we'll also bring on a guest that would be talking about just one story the entire time as well as sort of a special edition of the podcast too. But I'm so excited to be doing this twice a week now and have another way to connect with people. Yeah, this is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. And uh, obviously, if you have any suggestions or want to pitch us any stories or topics that you want to talk to us about, you know where to reach us. Uh, email and on Twitter is probably the best way. Um, Julie, before we go, I have a quick question for you. Why are we calling it Tux Time? I'm glad you asked that, Ian. So we, we are called FinTech today, uh, and we are brainstorming different ways to name this podcast. And my dog often likes to help me write my fintech reports and do research and throughout the day. So we we named it after him, my dog Tux. So it's called Tux Time in honor of a beautiful mini golden doodle that lives in Brooklyn with me. 
he's looking at me right now like, Mom, that better be in there. (laughs) (laughs) Julie, this was a lot of fun. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we'll see you again next week, Ian. All righty, talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.